Hello, everyone, and welcome to a weekend edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, getting you through your long weekend. We're going to do some some succession talk a little bit later. We're going to answer some football insider questions a little bit later. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Uh, but first thing we're going to talk about, because the, the football gods gave us a little news nugget to discuss here on, on a Friday of Memorial Day weekend, and that is the release of DeAndre Hopkins. Mary Kay, you put up a post about this. Um, not long before, a couple hours here before we hit the record button on on Friday evening. Um, DeAndre, a guy who, of course, played with Deshaun Watson. We will note here that DeAndre went on a podcast a couple weeks ago and listed five quarterbacks he wanted to play with. Deshaun Watson was absent from that list, but mm-hmm. I could spin that a certain way to, you know, maybe he's talking about guys he wanted to play with that maybe he hadn't. But whatever. Mary Kay, is there any chance that DeAndre Hopkins could could land here in Cleveland? And then the second part of that? is should the Browns have an interest in bringing in DeAndre Hopkins? You know, there, there's always a chance in a situation like this. There's there's always a chance. You can never say never. Uh, the way that I wrote my, my story about this is that it's not on the front burner. It's not something that, uh, you know, that is going to be necessarily heavily pursued. Uh, I don't think they're necessarily, I don't think they're front runners. I don't think that they're clamoring to go get him. But you cannot rule it out and you can never say never. And one of the reasons why is because you don't know what the money is going to be. You don't know what his market is going to be elsewhere. And he is pretty close to Deshaun Watson. They're very close. Uh, they're very good friends. They talked in like February after that Q podcast about, you know, whether or not this might work out or not. And um, so it has come up. It's been discussed. And I and I actually wrote this, too, in in my in my story about this, that DeAndre Hopkins is one of the veteran players. Another one is Brandon Cooks, who Deshaun also played with, uh, with the Texans. Um, these guys have expressed a desire to play with him this offseason. Okay. Um, and that's something that I've, I've reported it before. So they, they have kind of tossed their hat into the ring and, you know, it's out there, but I don't really think that at this point, it's a viable option for them. They went out, they traded for Elijah Moore. Then they spent a bunch of money on Zadarius Smith. They don't have a whole lot of money left right now. It would be a situation where, uh, where they had to kind of shake things up. Um, you know, in, in the, in the wide receiver room, they've got Amari as their number one receiver. They would, they would definitely be shaking it up, but by the same token, you don't always get your hands on a, DeAndre Hopkins. And if you can get him at the right price, um, you know, the, then I think it would be worth looking into. Ashley, the way I put it to our texters earlier this afternoon was if any team that is considers itself a contender or wants to win or be a contender should at least make the phone call. Should at least pick up the phone and call DeAndre's agent, see, you know, kind of see what the price range is, see what it might take, see if there's any interest. And I, you know, the Browns to me fall in that category, especially when you employ the guy who was DeAndre Hopkins quarterback for a long time. So at the very least, I think you got to pick up the phone and make the call. Yeah, I think so too. And Mary Kay, I think you even wrote that in your Mm -hmm. story as well. And it's like, I keep coming back to, and I know you wrote this in your story because it was like the first thing I thought of too, is like, never say never to me. Like we have firsthand, you know, evidence, recent evidence of why you can never say never with the Browns because last off season, they were out of the running for Deshaun Watson until they weren't like, you know, before the trade market for him really heated up, it felt like we, you know, we talked about it at the time that like, eh, like there's this possibility of it happening, but like, it's probably not going to happen. Right. And then all of a sudden they're taking a flight down to Houston. Then all of a sudden it's reported, Oh, they're out of the running, but then they come back with this offer that gets him. So like, to me, it's just like the whole Deshaun Watson trade and how it went down is a prime example of, Hey, you really can't say never on these things when it is a guy, you know, that could make a big difference to your offense if you think he can. The fact that he has that relationship and the fact that like, yes, money is tight right now, but that's like the one thing that this front office is so good at maneuvering and and shaking things up when they have to. Um, So, yes, it's still a long shot, obviously, I think, but you just still cannot be like, oh, there's no way this is going to happen now. 
I gotta say, I think Ashley's puppy, Paul Anka, has surpassed Buster in the power rankings right now. He has to hear more more from him. Um, Mary Kay, we've talked about, obviously, the Browns have owners who are willing to spend, and that's where they get these advantages, where they're able to maneuver the cap and able to work around the the salary cap. When you have an owner who's who's willing to just write checks, um, that, that cash spending can help you sort of maneuver things around. You could renegotiate deals. You can move money down the road. You could you know, come up with a deal with it that's backloaded, has void years, whatever it is. When your owner's willing to spend money, that's where those advantages can come in. So the Browns don't have a ton of money right now, but we know that they can find money and they have owners who are willing to help them create that money for DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, that is not even a consideration, really. I mean, if you looked right now, they're like 27th in cap space, but after June 1st, they also will be getting a bump um, when they clear JJ three and Jadavian Clowney off of the books. So they'll be getting a bump that way. I think this whole thing comes down to right player at the right play price. If Deshaun Watson tells the Cleveland Browns this week, Hey, I want D hop here. I would really like him to come here. Then I think they'll try to get it. They would try to get it done. And I think, and I wrote this in in the story that I wrote today, and I did a bunch of digging and reporting on this, so this wasn't just like an opinion piece. Um, I um, I do think that um, the reason why he said he did not include Deshaun in his list of five quarterbacks that he would like to play for, because he already kind of knew that they're pretty set here, and the ship has sailed. So he's not going to say something that he doesn't think has a realistic chance of happening. So I think that's what that was all about. It's certainly not that he wouldn't want to play with Deshaun Watson, because as I as I wrote, um, you know, he has expressed an interest in doing that. And I do 100% think that they will pick up that phone and make that phone call and just at least inquire about it. But I think a lot of it depends on what Deshaun wants. If he wants him here, they will look heavily into it. And I, I think the one thing you can't do is you can't let him go to like, you can't let him go to Baltimore just because you wanted to get Donovan Peoples-Jones some more snaps. You know, I like Donovan. I think we all like Donovan on this podcast. I think we all think Elijah Moore is going to take a jump this year. But like outside of Amari Cooper, you know, that, there aren't a lot of guys that have accomplished a lot for very long. So to me, it's he might go to Baltimore. He might go to he might go to one of your rivals that that could happen regardless whether you make that phone call or not. But you have to at least at least try. You can't just say, well, you know, we're set. And then you let him go to Baltimore, or Kansas City or Buffalo or or one of these other teams and uh, and just kind of regret not not at least picking up the phone and, and finding out. OK, we had some football insider questions left over from our Thursday podcast. So we're going to get to those before we get into some succession talk. So. Let's start here. This one did not have a new, did not have a name, but uh, here we go. Of the new players, blank will have the biggest impact in 2023. Ashley, what's your answer here for this one? My first thought was just Zadarius Smith. Like he's another Pro Bowl edge rusher that you're adding to the roster who can get double digit sacks and has done so in three out of the last four years. So when I first saw the question, that was the first name that came to my mind. I think, you know, he thinks his ceiling could be higher here and has defensive player of the year aspirations like Mary Kay wrote. So I really do think like he's bringing a lot opposite Miles Garrett in this defense. Darius is a, a strong answer, especially if he ends up with double digit sacks and, and playing for Jim Schwartz. Um, there's there's a lot of opportunity there. Mary Kay, what do you think here? Uh, the answer to this question of the new players, blank will have the biggest impact in 2023. I would go with Darius Smith, number one, as well. I think that is um, just because. Sacks are so tangible. Pressure is so tangible. You can see it. You can feel it. It impacts the game. It affects the game in a big, huge way. Um, so I would say that. Um, but for purposes of mixing it up a little bit on the pod and throwing another name out there, let's throw Elijah Moore out there. You know, Elijah Moore can really have a big impact on the offense. If he is as good as the Browns believe he is, and if he is 
uh, the player that he started out to be in his rookie season when he caught five touchdown passes, if he's that sort of twitchy, fast guy um, that that can really mesh well with Deshaun Watson on the off script plays and the off schedule stuff, then I, you know, I think he can be a guy that can really make a lot of noise this season. All right. So you guys both took the obvious ones there. The ones that were on top of my list, I should have done, made this a draft and given myself the number one overall pick. Uh, look, I mean, right. Those, those are two very good options. How about a guy who maybe is already making an impact with his social media game? Uh, Juan Thornhill. I, he might not have the impact as far as the statistics go. Um, now, you know, he might force a couple turnovers, you know, let's say he ends up with four or five interceptions, something like that. He's not going to have, you're, you're going to see Zadarius Smith a little more. You're going to see Elijah more a, a little bit more, but I think Juan Thornhill in the back end of that defense, if he can sort of bring something that they didn't have before, and if he can be a leader in that room uh, and just really kind of stabilize that secondary, uh, I, I think he's a guy that that should be the that could be an answer to this question as well. I think all three of those though are are pretty good. Are there any other? Is there a name we missed there, Ashley or Mary Kay, that that you were thinking about throwing out? The Mary Kay, you've got one. Yeah, Delvin Tomlinson. Yeah, yeah. Um, Delvin Tomlinson. How long have have the Cleveland Browns been avoiding spending money on a defensive tackle? So they finally went out and they, they got this guy. And not only can he uh, fill that big enormous hole uh, that they have had, literally and figuratively, at defensive tackle, uh, but he can all you know he's versatile. He can rush from the outside too. So you can bounce these guys in and out and do some cool things with them. And I think he is also going to make a nice big impact. Yeah, that was going to be one of my other choices. Uh, Dal- Dalvin was was going to be a guy that that I thought we could put here. Okay, let's move on to a question from Brian in Delaware. The most crucial unknown going into the regular season is blank. Mary Kay, what is the most crucial unknown going I'll into tell the regular you. season? It, it's this one kind of came to me very quickly, and we we do not have any advance warning about these questions. But the thing that I will say is the biggest unknown is. Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson together. How is this going to go? How is he going to call plays? Is he going to be the type of play caller that is going to maximize the ability and the talents of Deshaun Watson? One thing we do know, Baker wasn't a fan. Baker Mayfield was not a fan. Now, was Kevin Stefanski holding some things back from his own repertoire because Baker Mayfield couldn't do them? I have to think that that was probably... Uh, a big part of the factor. Baker wanted to do things that he thought he could do really well. And, um, and he might not have been able to do them as well as he thought he could. And apparently Kevin Stefanski didn't think so. So, you know, now Kevin Stefanski has no limitations with Deshaun Watson. There's nothing he can't do. There's no throw he can't make. There's no scheme he can't run. So now, you know, put your cards out there on the table. Let's see what you got. And, you know, you, it's go time, you two. That's a good one. And as usual, that's probably the best one. And I didn't even like think about it. Um, so Ashley, what did you have? Yeah, mine was very similar. It's just like, is Deshaun Watson going to be able to get back to his Pro Bowl style of plays? 2020 Deshaun Watson, as we like to say. So I think those are two very united concepts. They're very much tied together, obviously. And and I think like in general, how this offense is going to look is like one of the biggest questions surrounding this team right now. And that starts and ends with Deshaun Watson and, and what Kevin Stefanski is going to make this all look like. Okay. Well, apparently I was the only one that didn't have that <laughs> on, on my list. What of, did you uh, have? Actually, I didn't, I didn't really have a list. Um, two, <laughs> um, I, you know, mine was kind of boring. I was, you know, I was trying to think like maybe is like backup quarterbacks an unknown, but who cares about that? I think honestly, one of the kind of underrated unknowns is exactly what this receiving core is going to be. Hmm. I Mm -hmm. think, I mean, we know what Amari Cooper is. We, we know what Donovan Peoples Jones can be. Was that like his ceiling or is there more there? We think we know what Elijah Moore could be, but like we haven't seen it yet in, in his first two years in the league. So we, you know, he was obviously, you know, on the outs with the jets for some reason. So, um, you know, we, we still have to see that actually happen on the field. And then after that, you're looking at Cedric Tillman's a rookie. 
Then you're getting into David Bell, Anthony Schwartz, uh, you know, a bunch of young guys. Michael Woods is hurt now. So I think the receiving core isn't like a, you know, a blaring red siren, like, oh, I'm worried about it. But it's like, I'm just not 100% sure exactly what it's going to be yet. I just don't 100% know what the ceiling for that receiving core is going to be. I think it can be really good. We just need to see it. Would you feel a lot better about it if they added DeAndre Hopkins? <laughs> I, I would because, well, yeah. And again, that's sort of going to what I was saying. Like that's, then you have two guys that you just know exactly what you have. So yeah, I, I would. And, and I, you know, I don't, I, I do feel good about it. I just, again, there's, there's just some things we haven't seen yet. So I, I think I would maybe throw that out as sort of like, uh, let's just sort of see how this all plays out. But I, I think they've done a good job building that room. Yeah. I mean, that's a good one, Dan, because you're so right about it. It is kind of an unknown thing because the truth of the matter is uh, you really don't know if Elijah Moore is going to be able to take that jump and be that 1,000-yard, seven-touchdown catch receiver. I mean, you think he can be that because he showed signs of being that uh, when he was with the New York Jets. And there should be you know, plenty of reasons why he can do that this year. So with Deshaun Watson, with this offense and everything else. So you think that's going to go right, but you don't really know for sure. Amari Cooper, he's coming off a core muscle uh, surgery, so he should be okay. I was going to be worried about him and his production if he didn't have that surgery. That was going to be like, uh uh-oh, this thing can go at any time. Uh, But now that he's all patched up, I think he's good to go. Um, But, you know, beyond that, I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones, you know what you're going to get from Donovan Peoples-Jones for the most part, and it's really, really good. Um, But I still think, you know, in in this world of Deshaun Watson, you want to have two, three, four really amazing receivers. And and we just don't know about that yet. Okay, we had a couple fun ones here, but I'm going to ask one more uh, football one. And this one I don't believe came with the name either. So... Uh, the freshman or sophomore player who will make the biggest impact this year is blank. I like the fact that sophomore is in there too. That kind of puts a new little twist on it because we actually have done freshmen, but mostly I think draft picks. Um, But I like the fact that this is freshman and sophomore. So in that case, Ashley, do you have something? Yeah, I was just going to say MJ. I basically wrote one of the newsletters about that this week that I think that's a good pick for guy who's going to make, you know, maybe the biggest jump on the team. Like he had a lot of experience, but I do think like we could see him do more in this defense. I do think he's really, from what we know about Jim Schwartz, like I think he's really well suited to play in, you know, an attack style defense. He's very physical when he plays. He's not afraid of of being aggressive out there, even though he's kind of quiet off the field. So um, I, yeah, I kind of wanted to think of like second year guys and he was, he's the one that jumps out to me as always. That's good. And the funny thing about this, uh, these two classes that we're talking about, um, you know, we're not talking about first round picks and we're not talking about second round picks. So you're actually talking about third round and beyond. And we know uh, that we were recently quoted a statistic that in rounds three through five, you have about a 15% chance of acquiring an adequate starter. Those are not great odds. Um, but in the interest, in, and Mark Emerson is a great one. He's a great one for this. Um, but in the interest, once again, of just throwing another name out there, how about Ced Tillman? Let's go with Ced. Um, Cedric Tillman, he just looks like a football player, right? I mean, he's got really good size. He's got... He's built for it. He, he is the, that quintessential big receiver that when you think about matchups with other teams and you think about some of those other big guys, that's how teams are going to talk about said Tillman. Uh, and he came from, you know, the SEC. He came from a big program. He's caught a lot of balls. I'm going to go with said. Said was on my list. I actually, while we were talking, I pulled up a list of the 2022 draft class. There were two names that jumped out to me. The first, I wasn't sure if he was going to get to me, but the first was Cade York. Just as like, 
he's if he's better if he's like okay yeah this dude's the kicker for the next 10 years that's pretty big impact um the other one was jerome Ford. that should have been ashley's no i was thrilled i messed up i messed up i messed up she needs a mulligan she needs a mulligan i know i need a mulligan sorry the other the other one is, and I know Mary Kay, you texted about the running back position earlier today um, about how you, you think the Browns still need to add another running back. Yeah. Um, but I think Jerome Ford right now with the way the roster is constructed is a guy that could make a, a big impact if he is in fact the number two guy at that position. Yeah. And I think he will be, I think he will be the number two guy. I think they're excited about him. And I think, you know, that he will uh, have an opportunity to, catch the ball out of the backfield. And um, I I really think that he's going to get those backup running back reps and he's going to give Nick Chubb a blow when Nick needs it. And so, yeah, I I think that's a great one, Dan. Okay. Now we're going to have some fun. There were two really fun questions that were sent to us. And this first one is um, this first one is I'm really curious about your answers. It comes from Dan in DC who says maybe he listens to too many true crime podcasts. Same, Dan. Same. (laughs) A Browns mystery or cold case I wish I could get to the bottom of is blank. I have one. I've thought of a couple. (laughs) I'm curious if we Really, as we were sitting here, I thought of one. I yeah, I, I have sent two. this out in an email earlier and I still couldn't think of one. But then as we were sitting here and I was looking at the, the questions, I'm like, oh, I think I have one. Ashley, why don't you go since you have a second okay. one? The first one is so stupid. But I want to know the specifics in how Johnny Manziel came up with the Billy Manziel disguise. Like that is just I want to know everything about that weekend. But the <laughs> disguise in particular, I just I want to know everything about it. I that's that was the first thing that came to my mind. Okay, so I thought you were going to say something different. That was not mine. Is Johnny Manziel related to? <laughs> that's oh, fun. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Mary Kay, that was the craziest couple of days. That was the season finale, correct? And in, in his second year, and like he had had a he had had a year. Um, that was the year he got in the fight on the side of the road with his girlfriend, and oh, Kruger had to come and save him, and like. Then all of a sudden he's tagging photos of himself with his dog on Instagram when he's actually in Las Vegas, but he's tagging it to Westlake or whatever. And then we come to find out there's this Billy Manziel persona. Um, It was, I, yeah, I would love to kind of finding the genesis of all that and kind of how that idea popped in his head and like, yes, everything about it. Like I want like a, what what is it called? Like a long form oral like oral history. That's exactly what I was thinking of. I want a long form oral history on that day or that weekend, whatever it was. Wow. And Joe Thomas has the, the funniest take on it. He's like, Okay, so you're going incognito, you're blonde, you have a mustache, you've named yourself Billy, you're out in Vegas, and then you last name yourself Manzel. Like yeah. You lost your like Billy Smith, Billy Jones. <laughs> you kept your last name. I you guess. kept your, your you kept your stage name. Was, yeah. I also uh, thought yeah, of two more one. while we were talking about this. If no one else has other, okay, I well, of, let's, well, two total. Let's, Mary Kay, do you have one? Mine, uh, well, mine is I'm, Johnny related. Okay, you go, Dan, because I'm kind of still thinking. I I actually just want to know exactly what happened. The night they picked Justin Gilbert and Johnny Manziel. I want to know where the homeless guy is. I want to know oh, if yeah, there that's a was a home. I want to know if there was a homeless guy. Yeah. I just want to know every single thing that happened that day, that night. Um, I just every piece of it. That's that's what I want. That's the cold case. Find me the homeless guy. All right. That's that's a good one. That's a really, really good one. Um that's great. yeah, that's a good one. I don't really have one right now. I still need to think. So you go, it's Ashley. It's because Mary, Mary Kay knows everything. <laughs> I know Mary Kay knows everything, so it doesn't. So the other one that I came up with was, and again, it's funny because these two were both from before I covered the team. So that's also why I'm really curious. Like, again, and I know we've talked about this a lot, and you guys maybe do have an answer for this, but like, I want every thought and detail on the day Baker Mayfield shaved his facial hair four times during the game. Like, I just want to know what was going through his head. 
why everything about it i know it's been written about and talked about but i i want all the detail i can because it was so random the again this is one of those situations where it's like for any other team this would be the craziest day in franchise history but like for the browns it's just kind of oh yeah do you remember when that happened because baker shaved multiple times during the game that was the game in Denver. They lost to a quarterback named, was it Kyle Allen? I think he might even still be in the league, making his first career start. Mm-hmm. That was the game when Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry got in trouble for wearing those branded shoes. And to top it all off, Jermaine Whitehead, the safety, sat in the locker room in full uniform and sent death threats to mm-hmm. a radio host and fans. Yep. It's just another day. Yep. unbelievable all right i have two i've come up with two one is reaching way back okay it's reaching way way back and you guys don't even know the name of this player you probably don't know who it is and it's a serious one this is a serious one it's not i'm not goofing around this is not billy manzel there was an amazing safety by the name of Don Rogers back in the, like the 1980s. And he died. He died, he died young and it's shrouded in mystery. And, um, and that, that's a cold case that I, I would still like to solve. Well, I know what I'll be spending my weekend reading about. I I had no idea about that one. No, what was the other one you thought of? The other one is, I need more. Give me more about the Odell Beckham Jr. Odell is always open. What happened that day? I mean, I just want to ride shotgun with Odell that whole day, Mm -hmm. right? I want to see, like, what, you know, what did you know? When did you know it? Where were you, you know, like, what were you asking? Can I go to practice? And they were saying, no way you can't come. That's what it seems like. Um, were you trying to stay on the team? Were you trying to get off the team? Like what was really happening in oh, that yeah. three day span? Right. It was yeah. so bizarre. That was a bizarre three days. I'll, I'll add into that. Like Odell Beckham senior, like how did he acquire that video? Like the conversations behind posting that. And Baker Mayfield first seeing the video, seeing the post and it making its way to him. Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's just there's a, lot a lot there. there. A My lot. other, the only other one I could think of that was in the running. And then I'm like the, the screaming in the locker room in Baltimore last year, who started it specifically and what specifically was said and who was doing the screaming and who were they screaming at? That's a more recent one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I was looking for something else and I came across this headline. uh, Brown's Justin Gilbert blames being a, quote, hard sleeper for missing games. Again, just one of those, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um, But our our editor is obsessed with this um, Brown's draft pick. And this is what I was trying to look up and I couldn't, I, I Googled Brown's draft pick goes missing and Justin Gilbert was one of the headlines that came up. Um, some Browns draft pick from like the seventies who they picked, but he like never showed up. He's like, never, no, I don't know if anybody's ever even talked to him or any, I can't even remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but that's, that's a good one too. Just like where, where did this guy go? Why did he not show up? Hmm. Um, and I think he was a relatively high ish draft pick. I may have that wrong. But hmm. I don't think this was like, you know, when the NFL draft was like 14 rounds, I don't think this was like a 14th round pick. I think it was like a real pick, but um, I, I wish I could remember that name. I'm sure somebody out there knows who I'm talking about, but I don't know. Hey, maybe they'll put us in touch. Maybe they'll come on the podcast. Um, okay. Here's another one. Last one from our texters. Then we'll get to succession. Uh, this comes from our buddy Paxton styles in Chevrolet, Maryland. We each get to pick our jobs. Paxton says sources say three people will be taking over three coaching positions for the Browns this season. Dan lobby will be the new blank coach. Ashley Bastock will be the new blank coach and Mary Kay Cabot will be the new blank coach. Mary Kay, I already know you will be the new offensive coordinator, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I, I'll take that. I'll be the play caller. I, I love it. I'll be the play caller. 
I'll uh, I'll whip Deshaun into shape and and off we go. I was going to say, those... Mary, Mary Kay should be GM. We should just stick her right in the front office. She should skip <laughs> the coaching track. I Paxton wants us to choose coaching positions. So right, I guess Paxton. that's what we have to do. But um, if you're one of those fans out there that thinks the Browns need to run the ball more, you're not happy with this offensive coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> no. Mary Kay is going to spread it out, no. and that ball is going to be flying all over the yard. Oh, absolutely. Let's do four verts. We're going four wides every, every single time. <laughs> Ashley, what, what position are you picking here? Are you our I defensive don't know. coordinator? No, I don't think so. I think I would be more of like a position coach that I could really okay. focus in on one group. But I'm having a hard time picking, honestly. What about special teams coordinator? No, I don't think I'd be very good at that. See, that's honestly. the one. Okay, I don't since think Ashley's be... not. Since Ashley's you not take taking that, that Dan. One, I'm taking special teams. I like. I always like those bottom of the roster guys. You know, I've written yeah. features about guys whose names I don't even remember. Like that's <laughs> that's my that's my cup of tea right there. I'm just <laughs> yes. I'm out there running drills with guys like Bubba. I'm, yes. I'm the special teams. You know, perfect. I, the more I think about it, because we were talking about this the other day, and like our favorite position groups to interview and talk to, make me D line coach. Like, I know there's a lot of personalities on the D-line, but even when I was covering college, the defensive linemen are just always my favorite players to talk to because they're typically a good interview. I know from our purposes, like, the, coaching them would be different. But, like, I typically like the personalities overall. I'll, I'll keep Miles on track this year, help him fight through this this nagging toe injury. We won't be, you know, nothing's going to hold him back. We're going to get 10 sacks from him, 10 sacks from Zedarius. We're going to try – to get double-digit sacks from Oboe, too. Of all the positions to coach, I think defensive line would be the most fun. There's yeah. too much other stuff, like offensive line, you got to know technique, wide receiver, yeah. there's too much in that room. This, this Jim Schwartz defense, we're just running forward. We're running at the quarterback. I can yeah. coach that. Secondary, <laughs> there's too many egos in the room. Just give, yeah, give me the no. D-line. Mm-hmm. It's simple. Just go get the quarterback. Do this with your hands. I'll let my assistant D-line coach, you know, whatever. I'm over on special teams. So <laughs> maybe I'll pop in the D-line room every now and again. And I was going to say, I was like, well, wide receiver, but none of them talk. So I'm like, I don't know. That could be a good thing on certain days. It's like, oh, it's very quiet, relaxed room. Not a lot of egos. I don't until know. One, that might be a good. Until one of your receiver's dads puts a video <laughs> up on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, until a dad posts a video on Instagram, it's everything's good vibes, positive, calm, yeah. Ohm vibes in there. Notice that notice that none of us took head coach because no. you want to talk about like the worst job ever, honestly. NFL yeah. head coach is just what a pain. Too much to deal with. Too many press conferences. No, thank you. All right. We're gonna take a break here. Um oh, if I was special teams coach too, I could always refer to Cleveland as God's country. That would be <laughs> my that would be my thing. I'd steal that. There you go. Um okay. We are going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we are going to talk a little succession and get you ready for the series finale on Sunday night. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Okay, so we're about to talk succession. This is the usual spoilers. We're going to talk about anything and everything. Uh, not going to hold back on on what's happened uh, so far in the series. Uh, if you're not a fan of the succession talk, we apologize. But, hey, it's almost over. Um, series finale on Sunday night. So I, I sent four questions. Um, we're going to have to do a draft again at some point, but I figured I'd keep it simple this time around. We'll just do four questions on the series. Uh, and the first one is what outcome are you hoping for on Sunday? Mm. No, I do have another question about what is the outcome you'd be most disappointed in. So we'll get to that, but what is the outcome you're hoping to see on Mm. Sunday night? That is a great question. It's such a great question. Who, who wants to go first? Ashley? I can. Yeah. So like, I've thought about this a lot the last few days. I've been reading, you know, long form journalism about succession. And there are two like ways, like, I don't know. I think the way I would like for it to go, I've always been a Kendall girl, like from the beginning. 
And to me, the show started with Kendall. It should end with Kendall. Like, I think we saw Roman's implode. Like, Roman's not coming back from that after last week. He's just not. He's got Mankin making front fun of him. Um, he's got Alexander Skarsgård making fun of him. He's not coming back. I think you have to start and end with Kendall. Now, in what capacity that's going to happen, I'm not so sure. Because, and we can talk about this a little later, but after last week, my theory that Cousin Greg is going to take over this company at the end of it is still like, is back to being in the forefront of my mind, like for real. We're, we're going to get to that. Don't worry. <laughs> we're going to get to that. Not, not, well, I don't think we're going to get to it on this question, but we'll, we'll get to Greg. Um, I, you know, it's the kind of chalky way to go having Kendall, having the series end with Kendall in charge. And it's kind of like, but it's, it's sort of, there's like no power in it anymore or anything like that. He finally gets what he wants, but it's really empty. Uh, but I think chalk is okay sometimes. Like you can overthink these things and, and mess it up as a writer. I think sometimes if Kendall's the most obvious, but also the best, like I'd be fine with that ending if, if that's kind of where it goes. Mary Kay, do you have a, an ideal outcome here? You know, it's funny because when we when we did our draft and we had to pick our favorite character, I picked Kendall, number one. I had the number one overall pick, and I picked Kendall, number one. But that's not who I would want to end up if if they choose one person to take over the company. Um, it's not him. It would not be him. It would be Shiv. It would be Shiv. I just still think she's the most level-headed. I think she's just the best face of the franchise. And, um, I would be most disappointed if it went to Greg. I like, I'm so down on Greg now. I just feel like he's a little disgusting brother weasel and his very presence just annoys the heck out of me. Um, and I think Shiv has shown to be, I think she genuinely loved her father. I really do. I think she loved her father. I think Kendall still has too much of too. He's too tortured. He's got too, too many, you know, love, hate vibes for his dad, mostly hate. Um, as Ashley mentioned, I think Roman is, is too broken by his father's death. He's too broken by it. I think, I think Shiv can handle it. I think she is most like her father. I think she has charisma. I think she has equal parts um, toughness and knows when to hold them, knows when to fold them. She's pregnant, so there's more succession there. Um, so that's the outcome that I would like. How would everybody feel about Tom? Oh, horrible. Okay. Horrible. So I do wonder, like, I do wonder about that, though, because, like, to me, one of the major, the other major tenet of this show, besides, like, who is going to be the successor is Tom and Shiv's relationship. So, like, I do think there's going to be a lot of strife devoted to that. In, I think it's going to be a 90 minute finale on Sunday. I think it's going to be an hour and a half. So it's going to be like a movie. Like, I think we're going to get a lot of Tom and Shiv in some capacity. You know, I mean, the weird thing is like the whole actual succession part of it may be sort of not an afterthought, but it might just sort of be like, mm -hmm. it might kind of happen. And then there's like a million other things tying up loose ends. I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes, but Mary Kay, you went there. We're going to go there. Most disappointing. I'm with you on this. I actually think the only way I would come away from Sunday being like, man, they did not land this. They messed this up. This is not the way it should go would be if they just gave it to Greg. I just, Ugh. it doesn't sit right with me just because like, it's a little too weird. It's just a little too like, it just doesn't make enough sense to me. Like it, we're not that far removed from him, like puking in the head of a mascot. Right. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I just feel like it would just be a little too off the rails to just have Greg be the guy. And it does feel, Ashley, I'm kind of with you here. It does feel like there's a little momentum building. Towards there that. is. And I was going to say, there's, there's a couple of reasons why I think this. So it basically was summed up in like the, I guess it would be the wake sort of after the funeral where Greg introduces himself to Mankin. Okay. And then he, when he walks over to that group, 
Lucas Madsen, aka Alexander Skarsgård, is like, hey, sexy, or whatever he says. Like, he clearly, like, loves Greg after their little night out when they drink things that you don't normally drink, according to Greg, whatever that means. Um, I don't know, for a guy who's used to sending his blood to employees, that makes me a little nervous. Um, so we know that. And then when Madsen and Shiver on the phone call, he says, yeah, Mencken okayed an American CEO, but he didn't say her. And then you couple that with the way Mencken was talking to Shiv and in German, he says this German phrase, and it basically, I think, sums up how he thinks about women, which is children, kitchen, church. So I don't think he would go for Shiv as a CEO. And I'm thinking who Matson likes, like Greg would be easy to control for him where Kendall wouldn't and Roman's out, Roman's off the rails and he has no relationship with Tom. So I'm like, has the momentum really been building here? I'm, I, I think kind of yes, which makes me a little scared because it's almost like it feels a bit too hokey for this show for me. I don't know. Like that's, I think my biggest thing, like it just doesn't seem like true to life, which I think is your point too, Dan. Yeah. And and Mary Kay, I mean, you, you brought it up like Greg being the guy, it's just, I don't know. It just doesn't feel, it kind of feels like you're ending the show with one big like joke. Oh my gosh. Certainly this has been a funny show at times, but like, I don't, it shouldn't end with a punchline. No. And the only way they could have done that is if they had kept him, um, you know, more beguiling and endearing the way he was in the beginning and not the annoying, disgusting Greg that he turned into as he evolved throughout the show and was asking for, Hey, can you give me a hookup? You know, introduce me, introduce me to me. You know, I mean, he he just his his very presence became nails on a chalkboard to me, and uh, he's he's such a he's such a suck up, and I don't know. I mean, the you know, Logan's brother. I mean, that that could be an X factor here. You know, I mean, he he could end up. You know, there could be something written somewhere in a will that that we don't know about. There could be something between. Uh, the two brothers, he had obviously the first speaker at the funeral, right? So, you know, there could be something there that, uh, you know, that we really haven't thought of where he could, there could be some kind of a power play there. I've always wondered too, if there's a scenario where like, in the, you know, at the end of the show, you know, the wire always did these montages at the ends of seasons where you'd see kind of where characters, if like somewhere along the line at the end of the show, it just ends up like, because you just need an American CEO, there's a placeholder and it's Jerry, Frank or Carl. And then the kids are just out. Like that's how the show ends. And it's one of those, one of those three, how would you guys feel if it was one of the, if it ended up being just one of the old guards as like, uh, Hey kids, you screwed this up and we're just, we're just putting a body in place and it's either, Frank, I don't think it would be yeah. Jerry, but one one of those three, I guess. I mean, I think for me, like, it would be kind of true to the show. Like, I just keep thinking about this show, and, like, I think there's a lot of speculation and fans being like, oh, like, expecting some big poetic ending. Like, I, I don't think that's how Jesse Armstrong works. Like, I think if we're going to compare it to other, another TV show, like, it might be an ending that on surface level is a bit unsatisfying, but that's like, because that's how life is. And so I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of the old guard, old company men that, that are in charge of this at the end of the day. I would be so disappointed about that. <laughs> I, I just would be so disappointed by that. I mean, I would rather have it be Connor. I would rather have it be Connor <laughs> than, you know, than one of the old, you know, old CEOs or lawyers you know, in the business, I, I would rather have it be wacko Connor. I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't. Or, yeah. Crazy Willa. <laughs> I can't, I don't know. There's certain people that I just ended up really disliking as time went along, like really disliking them. Tom was one. Greg was one. Um, I never ended up disliking Kendall or Shiv, or or Roman. I, I didn't end up disliking them. Did you guys? I, I mean, I don't necessarily yes. like any of them. 
but just in the sense of like characters on the show i mean they've all done like bad things right like the very first episode roman tears up that check in front of a kid yeah Um, i hated roman at the beginning so much like kendall like killed someone like it's weird like i don't <laughs> yeah. i mean like i don't i don't despise kendall but like he also like killed someone and got away with it and so i think it's sort of uh in the context of well, the show yeah. i don't know that i actually hate any of the kids i think they're all incompetent and i think they're terrible people but as characters in the show i don't despise any of them yeah. i don't think yeah, that's like this show is very Sopranos like to me in multiple reasons. And that's how like I always felt about a lot of the Sopranos characters. I mean, these are murderers and <laughs> racketeering going on. They're doing every illegal thing you can imagine, but like Tony Soprano is still likable at the end of the day <laughs> for whatever reason. Like, and it's weird to say, right? Like my mom and I've had that running joke about it. Like he's he's a likable character. And these characters, it's very similar. Like they're not committing the murder themselves or anything like that. They're not involved in organized crime, but they're not good people. But yeah, I mean, if they weren't likable, then the show would be unwatchable. Like to some extent, I think I've had my ebbs and flows where I'm annoyed at them at certain moments, but none of them are inherently unlikable to me. See, I, but I'm also rooting for their failure. So there's like, yeah, I think like you that's, want them to get their I think that's why I actually would be a little bit happy if like there yeah. was some montage at the end and they just showed like Jerry sitting in the CEO <laughs> chair and the kids are, who knows, they got pushed out by the board or whatever. Um, yeah. I, I'd find a little bit of, of joy in that, I think. So that that's why I think if one of the old guard ended up somehow being it, I, I could stomach that a little bit. Um, Okay, this one is really hard because I don't know that I have a a good answer for this, but your favorite moment from the show with one episode left. I can't even pick one. Oh, I have so many good moments. There's so many. What do you have, have Mary Kay? The fight between Shiv and Tom. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's we haven't we haven't really yeah. done a pod since that happened. Yeah, that yeah. was that was that fight. I thought that was the most compelling scene in the show from beginning to end. I mean, it that was so powerful and it was so raw and it was so like mean and it was so true, their feelings. And it had just come to a head after all this time. And I, you know, that is 100% in my mind, the most, most powerful scene in the show. And it happened before Tom knew that she was pregnant. Yeah. Well, fun um, fact about some that. Really biting things. Fun fact about that scene too, which shows you how good the writing on this show is because it still works. And the, you know, the behind the scenes show podcast that I've been listening to. And like, I've listened to a couple other podcasts about this final season. When they filmed that scene, they did not yet know that they were going to have Shiv be pregnant because obviously they filmed things out of order. So like they knew Sarah Snook was pregnant, but they were like still trying to figure out like if they were going to make the character pregnant. So the way they acted that and stuff and, and it wasn't even part of the, of the plot yet is kind of mind blowing. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Um, I don't know if this makes me a complete weirdo, but I I don't know if I'd call this my favorite moment. Like that maybe that's just a bad way to word it, but I, I do think like the whole scene with, with Kendall and the waiter and just the way that mm. builds up and like the kind of the mm-hmm. surprise of it. And then him going back and yeah. the meeting, meeting with Logan and like Logan kind of knowing he's got the upper hand and he, the, like the bear hug is over. Like they're all good now. Um, I think that like that mm-hmm. whole kind of sequence is like, I don't know that I'd say it's my favorite moment, but that's mm-hmm. just such a memorable stretch there at the end of season one and it kind of sets up it kind of sets up all of season two and then eventually what happens with with kendall um when when he does the press conference you know that that's an excellent choice dan and if i were in the writer's room i would have carried that through more i would have had that come back and haunt kendall roy more more i've later years i wonder if it still will because like i think i think for me Yeah. And it's like, I think that's part of the reason why he brings Colin, but I think like that's purposeful that it doesn't like that. He's so privileged in his own little bubble that he can literally kill somebody unintentionally 
and go about his life. Like, I think that's a big, like, to me, that that's, it is, it's lost but it, on him for a reason. I just think they could have used, I think they could have used it to torture him a little bit more. I, I feel like, I mean, even having flashbacks later or doing something more, it was such a, a rich, deep, compelling moment in the show. And I, I thought it was going to come back again and again. I, I thought there were there were going to be, uh, you know, just consequences and, and ripple effects, and it was it just kind of went away. And I think that's just too big to let it go away. I think it needed to come back and haunt him. I just and it still probably should. Ashley, did you have did you answer this one? I did not answer it yet. So I I think in this show season two like might be my favorite season of it. So. The press, Kendall's press conference at the end of season two, like whenever I watch that, I still get like goosebumps because the way it was executed, everything up to it, like that to me was so great. And then like unserious moments. (laughs) I love the Elder the OG rap. So funny. And I love the boar on the floor scene because it just shows how unhinged Logan is and that these people will literally do whatever he says. And then the Elder the OG rap also shows like Kendall's, you know, Kendall cares about Kendall. He wants to be the star of the show. When you put a mic in Kendall's hand, most of the time good things happen. Um, But he also will embarrass himself and not even realize that he's doing it. There's also like five Roman moments that I... Oh, yeah. Like when (laughs) the satellite blows up and he just puts the phone back in his pocket, um, sends the picture to Logan instead of Jerry. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are like... There's like just a handful of these Roman moments that are like... That yeah. was hilarious. And Connor, and I mean, they all have these these great moments. I will ask this, because obviously this, this show is ending. Is it? I don't know. I, I felt this last week. This was kind of the first time I felt this. And part of it is because, like, Logan was kind of back in the picture indirectly. I do feel like this show doesn't have quite as much punch without Logan and Brian Cox. I think it's actually good that it's ending now. I, I think not having him has made the show a little bit weaker. Yeah. You know what? When you talk about overthinking something, I think they overthought it and got rid of, <laughs> of Logan. I mean, I think that was a huge mistake to the point where I hoped against hope that he was going to rise from the dead and get up out of that casket. I like, like when Roman says, is he in there? Logan just like sits up and is like, surprise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That might've oh been God. a little Can late. <laughs> that might've been a little late for that. But, you know, earlier, like right away, like the, like the next episode after they killed him off, you know, maybe that would have been the time to do it. Uh, but it's, it's like, you know, well, I don't want to be another, another spoiler, but there's another show where there's a wonderful main character that I'm going to miss terribly. And I'm sorry that they killed her off. They shouldn't have done it. And I can't say it because it's too much of a spoiler. We'll talk about it sometime down the road, but you guys have seen it as well. Um, But I just think that I 100% agree with you, Dan. I missed him. He, he made this show and there were there were times where i was kind of bored watching it yeah i was gonna say some of these middle like the episodes in the middle of the season are kind of and we would text about it like they're not very memorable to me right like the the grand scheme of the series um it's like they i like that they killed him off like not at the very end right like i like that we kind of get this angst but i think I'm with you, maybe a couple more episodes. And I think it says a lot, like for the Emmy voting, they're still running Brian Cox in the lead actor category, not in supporting. Like it it kind of shows how important he is. I just think it was a mistake. I think it was a horrible mistake. I I think they needed to create the void. Like they needed it to, you know, it couldn't have just been another season of him, like kind of waffling and picking like, well, this is who I want versus, but Yeah, they might have done it too early. They might have done it too soon. And I just, I think you, I don't know, for whatever reason, this was the episode where I kind of felt that void a little bit of like, this just doesn't have quite the same punch without him. And I think that's 
I don't, that's not like an insult to any of the actors. It's just, I think his character was so big and yes. these kids characters are so like indecisive and awful and just bad at what they do. Like it gets great. Just don't have it. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, because Dan and I, and I'm, this is spoiler for you because Mary Kay is in the process of watching Barry for the first time, but each weekend, I felt like, you know, these last few especially, I felt like Succession is ending at exactly the right time and Barry should have gone on for one more season. Mm. Like, Barry is really shooting for the stars this season, and I, I love the risks they've taken this season, especially one particular big risk in, in the middle of this final season. But I wish, like, I'm not ready to say goodbye to these characters yet. I think mm. they could have given it eight more half-hour episodes. Oh, my God, five. I love it. Yeah, Mary Kay, how far I, along are you in Barry right now? I love it. Um, I we can't. I can't be. I'm. In the <laughs> yeah. se- I was going to say we're already spoiling say- one show. Yeah, <laughs> what happened? Um, yeah, we'll warn people if we decide to do Barry. But um, I am in the second season. Okay. How many seasons are there? Four. They're on four. four yeah. Right now. yeah, four. Yeah. Okay, so. Four. In the second season, I think I think we just finished episode three or okay. four of this, maybe episode four of the second season, and there there was a major cliffhanger at the end of this particular episode <laughs> that that I just watched the other night, and uh, and it was like what for all of us, and uh, so it's so good. I mean, it's just so good. I'm loving it. I'm, I'm looking it up because I, I didn't get a chance to rewatch it before this last season. So I wanted yeah, to I'm watch gonna have to, I did I, rewatch I want to look it, but... it up and see what the cliffhanger was. Yeah. I need to, um, you said reminded. it was, was it four or three? It's, it's either three or yeah, it's three or four. Um, and I guess I could, I could speak in kind of clues, oh. but you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think I found it. Okay. It has to do with him and the detect and a detective. Yes. Yeah. I found you got it. it. Good old Wikipedia. You'll tell me after. Cause I'm, stuff. I can't uh, just tell me after. We I think we got it. Okay. So um, we don't spoil it. So speaking of, I just wanted to throw this out there and obviously we'll see how it, how it ends, but I'm just curious, where does this show rank for you guys? I've seen a lot of like discourse of people like throwing this out. Like this is the greatest show ever. And I don't agree with that. No. Um, Ashley, you mentioned Sopranos. I certainly wouldn't yeah. put it ahead of that. For me, obviously, you know, you know, I like Breaking Bad, The Wire, um, those shows. And, you know, then you start throwing in things like, well, we could go way back. We could or go we could on and on and on. Throw Simpsons out. Like there's a million shows from different genres that I love. But I, so I wouldn't say this is like the greatest yeah. show ever. I don't even think it's in the running for that. But if it lands this ending, I think it's certainly... It's a show that I'll mention as one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like, for me, it's comfortably top 10, probably top five. But it's mm-hmm. hard. Like you said, it's not better than The Sopranos, I don't think. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, for... It's tough. I have a lot of shows that I really love. And some of them, like, I love Gilmore Girls, right? Like, I don't know if it'll ever surpass Gilmore Girls in my heart, even though it's more critically acclaimed than Gilmore Girls. So, I guess, define love, Dan. Define, <laughs> define what does what does it mean to love a TV define show? Love. That's another <laughs> whole podcast. <laughs> define love. <laughs> we should do that sometime. Um, On July 9th, the day after our draft of drafts, yeah, we will define, we'll define love. love. Um, you know what I think in keeping with the theme of what we're talking about here I think the fact that this season left a little bit to be desired dropped it you know down to you know maybe seven or something six Mm -hmm. seven somewhere around there but it is still top 10 I would say for sure it started so strong I thought I've never this is this is going to be right up there with Sopranos for me. But then it, it dropped off a little bit this season. Yeah, it's it's a great show. It's it's in the discussion for that top top 10. Like you said, Ashley, maybe it ends up in top five, whatever. And, and of course, this is all subjective. Um, so, yeah. All right. 
I think we nailed it. All right. Uh, that is our succession segment here on the podcast. We'll probably try and squeeze in one more kind of reacting to uh, the series finale at some point next week. Uh, so get subscribed to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Become a Football Insider subscriber. That's where we got those questions from earlier. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page uh, to get info and get signed up for that. Become one of our tech subscribers through Football Insider. And of course, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com. We've got the golf outing on Tuesday. There'll be some highlights from that uh, and availability. And then, of course, we have another practice that we'll be at on Wednesday. So uh, now's a great time to get subscribed to our YouTube channel. Again, just search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube.